Hallelujah. So this is hot off the press. You know, last week we talked about uh, um, not uh, having a judgmental spirit, and it's interesting that God gives me a message to follow up with it that's going to have the opportunity for you to judge. So, um, but it goes along with what we've been talking about here, and I think this is going to be stretching a lot of you. Um, I think it's going to um, cause a lot of you to dig in your Bible and... um, See if everything that we say today is true, and that's the way it should be. Amen? Amen. So we're talking about soul prosperity, and how, why is it important to have a prosperous soul? Any ideas? Why, why, is it, why is it important to have a prosperous soul? I, I think, what's that? It brings glory to God, right? Yeah. Maybe I got to start from the beginning again. What's that? Right. You, you don't rise any high, higher than the prosperity of your soul. Let, let me read 3 third, uh, third John 1 again to you. Verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. See, our spirits have been born again, right? They're just like Jesus. They are just like Jesus. But the, the, but the issue is, is that we live in this world and we're connected to our body, and we, we live in a material realm, and your spirit has the ability to be a, to, your soul is, has the ability to be a conduit to your spirit to get what's in your spirit, what God has put into you, into the world, right? And, and, and your soul is connected to your body, your, your mind, your brain, and your soul is connected to the spirit. And it actually says that the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to divide between the soul and the spirit. In other words, the, the word of God is able to distinguish whether your soul is of the flesh or if it's of the spirit. The word of God is a mirror for us. And as we look into that mirror, that perfect, it, that perfect mirror of the word of God, our reflection, what was once cloudy should become clearer and clearer and clearer. And you will be surprised that when you see the picture perfectly, that reflection will be Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Amen. So, According to John the Beloved, the disciple of Jesus, the one that had the revelation of Jesus Christ and, and wrote, the, wrote the book of Revelations and many three epistles and a gospel, he says that God desires that you prosper and be in health even as your soul pro- prospers or as, in accordance to your soul prospering, soul prosperity. And last week we looked at how a prosperous soul is one that removes all judgment from one's heart. Judgments against God, judgments against ourself, and judgments against others. And today we're going to look at how a person that possesses a prosperous soul is one that dreams 
and plans with God. With God. Have you ever asked God to meet your needs? Have you ever asked God to meet your needs? Is it wrong? Is it wrong to, to ask God to meet your needs? There's some people that think it is. I, I watched Little House on the Prairie once, and, and Paul, Paul, Mr. Ingalls, told his children that it's not right to pray, for, pray to God for things that you need. And I think that still echoes a little bit in, in, the, in the church in some circles today. What if I told you that I believe that it's wrong for God to meet your needs? For you to ask God to meet your needs. What, 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 would that shock you? See, most people spend the majority of their time petitioning and praying to God for their needs. Please provide food for my table. Please provide a roof over my head. Please provide a car so I can go to work. We, we don't ask for much, Lord. Just help us with our needs. Help me care for my foreign no more. It sounds humble. It sounds godly. But if it's the attitude of your heart, if this is what we pray and ask God for, it's 100% a waste of spiritual energy. Again, does that shock you? <laughs> Maybe it makes you a little mad. How, how, how can I say that every prayer that you have ever prayed asking God to provide for your needs is utterly a waste of time? How can I say that? This is how. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Why would we pray, why would we beg for something that God says that he will already do? Every single one of those prayers of you praying for God, just meet my needs, is a prayer of unbelief. Can you see? Can you see now how it's a wasted time to ask for God to provide for your needs? And if you are, and if you are the one that supp uh, supplies the spreading of the gospel, this is even more assured, uh, more assured of a truth that your needs, all your needs, will be supplied according to his riches and riches not of the Jesus that walked the seas of Galilee, but the Jesus that is seated and throned in heaven, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the, the, glor the glorious one, the, the King of all kings and Lord of all lords. He's the one that is providing for your needs. So let's look at that in context. Let's look at Philippians chapter four, verse 15. It says, you yourselves, this is Paul speaking. He says, you yourselves know, Philippians, that at my first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Notice that there's giving and receiving. A lot of churches ask you to give, but they don't teach you how to receive. 
No one shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the profit which increases to your account. We're talking about having a prosperous soul, right? The word profit is in here. Paul literally says when you give into the sowing of the gospel, there is profit unto you. I didn't say that. God said that. There is profit in your giving. And preachers that do not teach the body of Christ the truths on giving do not care about you profiting. They just care about you giving. This is what Paul said. He says, it's not, that I, it's not the gift that I'm excited about. I'm excited about what it's going to do in your life. He goes, he goes on, on to say, but I have received, every, received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from um, Aphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Our, our givings smell. When you give unto the Lord, it, it creates an odor. And it's acceptable. It's a sacrifice. It's pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be the, the glory forever and ever. Amen. How does our God and Father in Jesus get glory? By supplying all of our needs. By supplying all of our needs. When you look at a family, when you look at their children, and you see the, the children struggling, you see the children not, not being cared for properly, when you see, see, see them in need, does that reflect on the children? Do you look at the children and say, man, those must be horrible children? No, it reflects on the father. And listen to me. There are some people in the body of Christ that is causing our fathers to look bad because they're choosing to live a life of a vagabond rather than receiving from their Heavenly Father and letting Him care and take care of all their needs. We have a good, good Father that longs. Look at, what, look at here. Look, look what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You know, money isn't evil. Mon money isn't wrong. But the love of money is wrong. And many, many in the body of Christ love money. They love money. How can you know if you love money? Because you never want to hear a preacher talk about it. That's how you know you love money. You love money because you don't want to hear what God has to say about my money. You, you, you can't serve God with your wealth. You can't serve God with your money. 
He goes on to say, he goes on to say in verse 25, we're just continuing this thought process. For this reason I say to you, that you can't serve God and, and money at the same time. You're going to have to pick. And a lot of Christians serve money every day. They have, they, they, have, they have trouble making a church on Sunday, but they don't have trouble punching in on the clock on Monday. Got to get my money. Do you realize that your money is, is, is your life? That's how important money is. Your money is your life. What, what do I mean by that? I mean, you trade your life for money. So, so one of the most important things on earth is money because it represents your life. And what you do with your money is a reflection of where your heart is pointed. He, he goes on to say, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for the body as what you are to put on. Is life not more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. When's the last time you looked? Look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather crops into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they? See, Jesus, Jesus showed you what's more important in this earth. Humans are more important than animals. Humans are more important than animals. It's amazing that I got to say that. But we live in a culture that's confused in that. Not only are they confused of what is a boy and what's a girl, they're confused on a human being more valuable than an animal. Jesus cleared this up for us. We, we are more valuable than animals. But even though that we are more valuable than animals, God still values animals, and he cares for them. He takes care of them. Have you ever seen a, a sparrow in the fall panicking? Winter's coming. Winter's coming. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? No. But they work, and, and God instinctively put in them how to prepare. You don't think God will do the same for you? to speak to your heart, to, to, to prepare you for what to, is to come. But the problem is, is we're so closed off to God in these, this area. We don't, we don't want to hear what God has to say. We think that God's going to say, give it all away. And we like our money. In verse 27 it says, And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to his lifespan? You know how many people worry about the future? They worry about their health. They worry about, about staying fit. They worry about their finances. They worry about so many things. And all of your concern, all of your worry, it doesn't do one thing for you. All the anxiety, all that waste, it can't even give you one day. Yeah. Yeah. It probably robs 
from you. Days. And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. When's the last time men buy your wife some flowers? So you can have a Bible study. <laughs> right? Put them in a big old vase. Sit them on the table. Sit around the table and stare at them. That's what Jesus said to do. Stare at them. Stare at those flowers. Look at the intricacy, the little minute details, the colors, how they, how they, are, they come together. Jesus says you can understand who God is by looking at lilies, looking at flowers. And I can tell that a lot of us don't look at the birds of the air, don't look at flowers. Because Jesus says that if we did, we would have an understanding of who our God is. He says, he says, notice the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for clothes. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, again, He's, he's saying that, the, that nature itself, trees and flowers and all these things, if, if God so wonderfully clothes all of these things that we see in creation, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? See, a lot of our prayers are Fear-based prayers. When we're asking God to meet our basic needs, it shows our unbelief. It, 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 my kids have never, ever came to me and begged me for food. They never came in to me and ever begged me for clothing. They never came to me and begged me for a place to sleep at night. If you heard my kids doing that, you would call the authorities on me. And if I was doing that, there's a good chance I wouldn't have kids anymore and maybe be even thrown in jail. But for some reason, we think that that's how our Heavenly Father is. We've we, we got to beg for, for, for the bread on our table. We've got to beg for a roof over our house. We've got to beg for clothing. And he says, look at the creation. Look at it. And this, and this isn't even nearly as valuable as you are. Why do you worry about what you're going to wear, O ye of little faith? Do you know that any time that we lack faith in God, we are practicing atheism? Because God is not God. There is no God in this situation in my life. There is no God in this need in my life. There is no God in this desire or want in my, in my life. We're Christian atheists. And he says, he goes on to say, what are we to eat? 
Or what are we to drink? Or what are we to wear for clothing? For Gentiles. Now the word Gentile there, it, in our day and age, it would mean those without a covenant with God. He was talking to Jews. Gentiles were those that were outside the covenant. He says, for Gentiles, those that don't know God, those that are atheists, those that don't know the truth about who God is and, and his being revealed in Jesus Christ, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they don't know that it's God's will to meet all their needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He says, Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. If you are constantly worried, if you're constantly trying to get your needs met, if you're constantly thinking about how am I going to get clothing, shelter, food, all these things, you're just like a heathen. We're not any different. Jesus says, but, I love Jesus when he gets his butt in the way. He says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. When he's talking about seeking the kingdom, he's not talking about going to church. He's talking about living a life. Living a life that is connected to the kingdom of God through the spirit of God and allowing the kingdom resources, the kingdom wisdom, the kingdom empowerment and and, and the ability to flow through you into this world, to flow from your spirit into your soul and bless yourself and humanity and everyone around you. In John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Does anybody know what the scripture is right before John 10, 11? John 10, 10. Yes, you guys are good. Right? But do we know what that says? It says, the thief only comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That sounds like prosperity. That sounds like prospering in life. There's an enemy that comes to rob, kill, and destroy. God, Jesus says, I've come that you may prosper, that you might have an abundance. And then he says right after that, I am the good shepherd. I am a good, good shepherd. I lay my life down for you. I lay my life down for you. And, and again, in Romans 8.32, let's go, I'm just going to go there real quick. I, 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 want, I could quote it, but I want to make sure that I say it correctly. But in Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Jesus is the good shepherd. He lays down his life for us. And if he's willing to lay down his life for us, how can all these frivolous, meaningless things of life not also be given to us freely? Do you understand that? Anything that you think, that you believe, that God is withholding from you, you are elevating it above Christ because he gave Christ to us freely. Do you understand that? 
So whenever that thought comes in your head, well, that's too big to believe God for. No, it's not bigger than Jesus. Cast down those religious thoughts. Cast down those vain imaginations. Everything is trying to exalt itself above Jesus, Jesus Christ. Amen? So, so he's a good shepherd. Jesus says he's a good shepherd. In Hebrews 13, 13, 20, it says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, that is Jesus our Lord. The writer of Hebrews which I believe is Paul. If you don't believe it's Paul, then you're wrong. But anyways, um, <laughs> he says that he's the great shepherd of this eternal covenant of his sheep. Are you a sheep? We're not a sheep of this world, but we are a sheep under the Lord and great shepherd of our faith, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. In 1 Peter 2.25, it says, For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Are you allowing the great shepherd of our faith, are you allowing Jesus, the great shepherd, to guard your soul? To guard your soul. What's that? Your mind, will, and emotions. Question, does a good shepherd... Let their sheep go without their needs being taken care of. Does a good shepherd not take care of the needs of a sheep? Is that a trick question? No, right? No, he, he, he takes care of their, his sheep. He cares for them. So if this is true, then, then we, like David, we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So we already talked about we already talked about how God promised to take care of all your needs. Here David, a man under the old covenant, a, a lesser covenant, a weaker covenant, says by faith in God that he is my shepherd and I I'm not even questioning my needs. My God will take care of all my wants. There's a lot of there's a lot of I've heard People say, Christians, believers, I don't know if they're believing on this, but they're Christians, say, well, God will take care of your needs, but he won't give you your wants. He won't always give your wants. Well, then David was wrong. David was wrong. And again, I'll trust David over any, any theologian that's out there today. He goes on to say that he prepares a table before me, a banquet table before me in the presence of my enemies. Is that in heaven? No, because our enemy isn't in heaven. That's here on earth. He says, my cup, my cup has just enough in it. No, he says, my cup overflows. My cup overflows. Do we see our good shepherd the way that David sees the good the good shepherd of our faith, the great shepherd. See, God doesn't want to hear about your needs. God doesn't want to hear about your needs because he's already given you, he's already a promise saying that he will meet your needs. 
truthfully, if my, if my children came to me and asked me for needs, Dad, can I please have dinner tonight? First of all, I say, would think, what is wrong with you? But if they were sincere and honest about it, I would say, what is wrong with me? Why would they think this way about me? You know, there, there, are, there are people that, have, that grew up in hard circumstances and they didn't know that they were, were grown up in hard circumstances until they were older. Why? Because the father and the mother, they met their needs. God, God desires for you to trust him in your needs. He doesn't want to hear about your needs. If we go into God with our needs, we're, it's just like my kids coming to me. He's thinking, what is wrong with you? And the longer it goes, he says, I know he, do, he doesn't think that anything's wrong with him, but the world says, what's wrong with him? He wants you to believe. He wants you to believe and thank him and expect and, and, and thank him and expect him by faith to care for your needs. See, it's not about just saying, okay, I don't, I don't ever talk to God about my needs anymore. No, you thank him. You, you, Father, I thank you that you provide all my needs according to your riches and glory, glory in Christ Jesus. You are a great provider. I have more than enough. I have all sufficiency. My cup runneth over. My needs are met. And I thank you for it. And I tell you what, if your kids came to you and talked to you like that, you'd do everything you could to get more to them. Right? We like that ego scratched. Huh. He doesn't, God doesn't want us wasting spiritual energy asking, praying, petitioning and especially not begging him to meet our needs but to stand in faith and boldly proclaim that my God supplies all my needs according to my job, my education, my ability, my, um, my strength, my wisdom, my college degree. my cunningness and craftiness and manipulation? No, he doesn't say that he meets our needs according to my. No, it's according to his. According to his. According to his glory through Christ Jesus. Most people spend all their time praying prayers of unbelief. Praying prayers of unbelief. If you can find a scripture that God promises you something, do not waste your time asking him for it. Receive. Receive him for it. Salvation. <laughs> Salvation. What would you do if someone kept on saying, I just wish God would save me. I just wish God would save me. I just wish God would save me. One day God's going to save me. You say, listen, brother, listen, sister. Jesus has already saved you. He's already do it, did it. Believe it, receive it, enjoy it. It's yours. Yep. True. It's no different with any other promise in the, in the Bible, but the problem is, is that hmm, 
we tolerate sin. If we treated the sin in our life the way that we treat pain, symptoms, sickness, the way that we, pe- we treat lack, fear, the economy, our future, if we treated sin the same way we treated those other things in our life, we would constantly be worried, am I saved, am I saved, am I saved? Do you know why? Do you know why that you don't, you don't, you don't treat sin the same way, the symptoms of sin in your life, you tolerate that and not those other things? Because those other things kind of cause you a lot more trouble in life. It's personal. But the sin, well, we put up with that. God understands it. And another thing is because preachers do not preach that you never have to sin another day in your life. You don't have to sin. You don't. You have the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the lust of the flesh. You will not if you walk in the Spirit. Well, what happens? We don't always walk in the Spirit. But we tolerate sin because that just doesn't really affect us we don't think as much as these other things. They don't, it doesn't get in our way. And sometimes we even enjoy it a little bit because we're a fool. Do you, do you understand that? If I constantly preached that it's God's will for you to be saved and, and walk in the Spirit and be the righteousness of God and be holiness, holy and sanctified and set apart and that you should never, ever sin another day in your life, you would have a salvation complex. Well, I don't know if it's really God's will for me to be saved. I don't know if it's really God's will for me to be healed. I don't know if it's really God's will to meet, to meet my needs. But, we, but we, we, we separate these things and we think we tolerate things in this, in this camp and then we question God in these other camps. Hmm. God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So if we are not supposed to be praying to God to meet our needs, what are we supposed to be talking to God about when it comes to finances? Our wants. Our wants. See, I, I love when I talk plainly with people and without religion, you're thinking, this ain't right. Huh? God, God doesn't... God doesn't want me to want anything. He doesn't know about my wants. The problem is, is most Christians don't know what they want. They don't know what they want. What do you want? Jesus is the good shepherd and he wants you to have wants. He wants you to have wants. The problem is most people don't know what they are. If I ask you today, do you know what you want? What do you want? What in earth do you want? See, we should be teaching this to our kids. 
See, some of us, some of us have become content. We have been, we've become content with God taking care of our needs. My needs are all taken care of. And I'm content there. And listen, God loves you. You can be content in God taking care of your needs and having your needs met and living out your days. But listen to this message for your kids, for your grandkids, the future generations. The reason why the, the, the church is not influencing our culture the way it should be is because we don't want anything. We've been taught not to want anything in this world. Well, first you have to ask yourself this. Has God given you the desires of your heart? In Psalms chapter 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. This isn't talking about if I just have a praise party, then God's going to, those things that I want, God's going to have to give it to me. It says when you live a life that delights in God, delights in his kingdom, delights in his covenant, delights in him being your heavenly father, your father will speak to you and give desires within your heart. He will give you wants. He will give you wants. See, there's a lot of people that chase after wants, but they weren't the desire of their heart given to them by God. And then they get all, all of the things that they think they want and they're miserable. God says that when you delight in me, you delight me in me as your shepherd, you delight me in me as your heavenly father, I will give you the desires of your heart. So what is the desire of our heavenly father when it comes to finances? And what should our desire be? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says, but you are to remember... The Lord, your God, for it is he who giveth you power to make wealth in order to confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Most people spend all their times through prayers, just praying prayers of unbelief. So if we're not supposed to be praying for God to meet our needs, we are to Ask him for our wants, right? See, when God empowers, when God empowers you to create wealth, you are no longer held captive by the idea of limit, li, li, a limit when it comes to your finances. See, most people, well, most people understand um, what it means to work for money. Right? Everybody here understands what it means to work for money. You live day by day giving so many hours for so much return. Right? And God wants more for his children than just working for money. God wants so much more from his children than what life is so much more than just working for money. He wants his heart to be your heart. For God's covenant he wants his covenant to be confirmed in the earth. How is God's covenant confirmed in the earth? Through him empowering his children to create wealth. Man, you don't hear that preached too much. He empowers us to create wealth. 
Creating wealth is completely different realm than working for money. Now understand something. We all start, we all are stewards. We are given, given things and we all work, work our way through maturing and hear, finding out God's desire for our heart and having those dreams and visions and working with God to allow them to come to pass. And, and we are to work. We are to trade time for money. We are to serve our employers. We are to serve humanity through the works of our hands, right? You understand that? But there's much more that God wants for us. When you create wealth, when you create wealth, you develop businesses and opportunities for other people. Do you understand that? When you're a creator of wealth, you create opportunities for other, others. When God empowers you to to make wealth, he gives you inventions, new ideas, increased pro- productivity, marketing concepts, plans, and visions. See, a lot of us have had God ideas, God desires put in our hearts. Hmm. And we subdued them, we pressed them down, we cast them aside in unbelief in unbelief. Instead of going to the the Heavenly Father and with that desire, with that idea and saying, what do you want me to do with this? See, when you start creating life, your life is no longer stagnant, waiting for someone to give you an opportunity. (laughs) How many people are like that? They're waiting for someone else to give them an opportunity. But instead, you partner with God and develop new opportunities which will attract abundance and flow. See, when God empowers you to create wealth, you no longer are held captive by the idea that there is a limited amount of money available and all the rich people, all the bad rich people have it all. You understand that? People think that. They think there's only so much money and all the bad people have it. No, our government prints money every day. (laughs) See, money is created. See, so many people think that money is like a pie. And everybody gets a piece. And some people's pieces are bigger than other people's pieces. And it's not fair that their piece is bigger than my piece. Listen, in God, and especially in the United States of America, they can take that whole stinking pie. You can bake another one. You can bake another one. We, we have allowed the thought, thoughts and the, in the, the ideas and the concepts of this world to contaminate our thinking. You partner with God and God gives you opportunities. You, de- and you develop these opportunities and they attract abundance and abundance starts just flowing. When God empowers you to create wealth, you are no longer held captive by the ideas that there is a limited amount of money. You step into creating wealth where you clearly see that there is unlimited amounts of money out there. And you increase your financial situation so it does 
And, and so does everyone that's associated with you. See, this isn't just about you. This is about <laughs> establishing God's covenant in the earth. In the earth. See, understand, you earn money. When you earn money, everything that comes in your hands must be taken from somebody else. You understand that? When you earn money, when you work for money, it has to be given to you from someone else. It has to be taken from someone else and given to you. And there's limit to that supply. Right? That's why you should always find out what's, what's, this, what's the ceiling of the salary at this, at this facility. And as soon as you hit that, you should start looking for a new, new opportunity. Because there's limited supply. Creating wealth is better. Christians should be some of the most innovative people alive. Look at the, these words Jesus spoke. Look at, listen to this. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and whether, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Most people take these verses out of context. They pull this verse out of the context of Matthew chapter 6. And all they do is preach on this verse. And, and they think that Jesus is talking about having a savings account and saving for the future. And, and he's against you having a savings account that you shouldn't be saving for yourself. But instead you should give, give it all to God. And that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. Some even teach that there's some type of spiritual bank account in heaven. <laughs> and, and, and they think that when they arrive on heaven, it will be given to them from all, from all of the things that they've invested into it through their life on earth. See, I believe in giving and supporting the church. I believe in tithing. I believe in offerings. Because um, I'm an open book, and because I know that people judge pastors, um, ever since Karis New Testament Church opened its doors, Amanda and I have been the number one givers here at Karis New Testament Church. Go find another pastor that can say that. We give more than anyone. You know, Paul said to the Corinthians, I speak in tongues more than you all. Well, I give more than you all. And I don't say that because of, of boasting or pride. I say that so you know. So you know. I'm pleased that I do. I'm glad that I do. If you want, I'd like some competition. Come on. But, but, so I believe in it. I do it. And I'm blessed for it. But, under, and, but the, like Pastor Tom said, the reason I do it is because I love God. I love the church. I love people. And I believe in that. But, but money, money's not for heaven. There is no money in heaven. Money is a system of earth. You don't need money when you get to heaven, and that's not what Jesus is teaching. Jesus is not teaching about a bank account waiting for us when we get to heaven. How could that possibly be? 
We know in the next life, there will be treasures. The foundations of, it, of, 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 the, build, of the walls are made with diamonds and jasper and onyx and rubies. The, the gate is made of one single pearl. The streets are made with gold. What do I want my little puny saving, heavenly savings account when I get there for? What am I going to do with it? And on top of it all, when we get there, we're all taking our crowns and throw, laying it down and saying, worthy is the lamb. And we know, because we're going to know that everything is because of what he has done through us. It's all by his grace. This is not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about having a heavenly bank account. So what is Jesus talking about? See, heaven is a biblical term that is sometimes used to refer a spiritual dimension or an invisible world that is around us. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is in your belly. Was he literally saying that when we all leave this body, we go into somebody's belly? Or he says the kingdom of God is at hand. He's not talking about a, a place called heaven. He's talking about this spiritual realm that you can't see, but it's just as real. It's actually more real than what you can see because the invisible realm made everything that is seen. And using this definition, where are you supposed to store up treasures? In a spiritual dimension where moth and rust cannot destroy. We have an ability to store up treasures in the kingdom that you dwell in, in your spirit. So how do we store up these treasures? Jesus said that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be pointed also. That's where your heart is. Your heart is either controlled by your soul united with the flesh or it's controlled by your soul united with the spirit. Romans 10.10 states, for with the heart a mouth, oh, no, excuse me, for with the heart a person believes, so how do you believe? With your heart. You have to believe with your whole heart. You have to believe with your soul and your spirit. For with the heart men believe resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. When our soul and spirit are in agreement, we have a united heart. We are single-minded, and a united heart is a heart that produces faith. Proverbs, Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 4.23, watch over your heart with diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Or another translation says all the issues of life. Everything that you experience in your life comes from your heart. And you're thinking, well, no, this happened to me because of this other person did this to me. But your reaction to it came from within you. As we direct our heart in a specific direction or towards a goal, the spiritual life with in us will build a treasure in the unseen dimension. See, the building of a treasure is not to be done independently of God. You know how I talked about that scripture being taken out of context? 
I want you to go home and read Matthew 6 and look at it in context. If you look at it in context of the verses of Matthew chapter 6, it's all about prayer. It's all about prayer. Before mentioning spiritual treasure, Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer. In verses 6 and 9, and then in verses 1 through 18 in Matthew 6, the words pay or reward are mentioned four times. That God gives as a result of our prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and acts of humility. God rewards us. With what? Spiritual treasure. Spiritual treasure. He adds to our spiritual treasure. So seeing that Matthew 6 is all about prayer, how do we build up spiritual treasure? By spending time with God. It's pretty simple, isn't it? But sometimes it's awful hard to do. So how does this work? How does this work? You have wants, you have desires, you have dreams. God has put wants, desires, and dreams within you. You delight yourself in the Lord. You don't then turn around and strive to see those things fulfilled. Nor do we suppress them in unbelief and say that that's never going to happen. Don't get anxious. Don't get greedy. Do not store up money so you can independently can fulfill those goals on your own. Instead, first go talk to God. Talk to God. Approach him as a child calling him father. Because isn't that what Jesus just said? He says, teach us how to pray. And he said, pray like this. Our father, our Abba. Our Abba, who is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. You are the set-apart one. There is none like you. Do you understand that until Jesus said that to those disciples, no one called God their father? Jesus was revealing what God was like. Throughout the Old Testament, no one knew God as father. They knew him as El Shaddai, Elohim. No one dared to utter the word, God, you're my father. He says, he says go to him as a father. Go, Abba, dad. It literally means daddy. It's a Jewish word. And it says that our spirits cry out, Abba, father. Daddy, daddy. Do you know him that way? So you talk to him about your desires. You talk to him about your ideas and your dreams. And you commit your dreams and your plans to God. You partner with him in the earth. As you come into agreement with your partner, when you come into agreement with God, faith will begin to manifest in your heart. Your spiritual reservoir will fill. Your heavenly storehouse will fill. And you will feel a sense of dominion and authority over the situation. Have you ever met those people that say that God's, God's given them a dream, God's hmm, told them to do something, and you, you heard it and you thought that's crazy, but you could not turn them away from it? 
It's because they spent time with God. They spent time with God, talking about the, their dream, talking about their vision, talking about, going over all the minute details. And as they spent time with their father, God invested more and more into their spirit. And, and faith continued to rise and rise and rise until you could not get them off that idea. And there have been men and women throughout history that have done huh, amazing things for the kingdom of God. So as you come into agreement with your partner, faith just starts arising within you. And this means, this means that you have to seek the kingdom first. This is what it means to seek the kingdom first. To seek the kingdom first means you don't do it the way the world does it. There, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that you might not follow the same ideas or principles that a world, the world does. What I'm saying is, is you don't go independently on your own and say this is how it's going to happen. You seek the kingdom first. What is the kingdom saying about this desire, about this dream? See, that's how a lot of people get out in front of God. And they're not prepared. They're not, they, they don't have, have that storehouse built up yet to have it manifest in the earth. Hmm, I gotta, I gotta speed up here. We enter the kingdom, kingdom authority. God's kingdom consists of righteousness, peace, and joy. Right? R Romans 4, 14, 17. The kingdom of God consists of righteousness, peace, and joy. And when these qualities fill your heart, that is when you, st you have stepped into the kingdom. That is when God's authority is working with, with you in the, in the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done is being answered on your behalf. You understand that? Jesus meant that prayer. When he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When's the last time you had something in heaven manifest in the earth? Jesus told us that we should, <laughs> that should be our heart's desire to see the he heaven's realities manifest in, in, in the earth. See, once you step into the kingdom, all things will be added unto you. Opportunities will come your way. Doors will open. You will have, meet the right people at the right time. Things will just fall into place. Provision will flow into your hands. God will bring to pass your dreams and plans. See, a lot of people, a lot of people have dreams, they have plans, they're wondering why nothing's happening, why it's going nowhere. Have you went and partnered with God on it? Have you talked to God about it? Or do you just think this is a good idea and God should bless it? Are you seeking the kingdom first? Now I understand that both Christians and non-Christians can plan, they can dream, but a believer, huh, a believer has an advantage. A believer has an advantage. God wants to partner with the believer, with you, with his child. You have a relationship with him and you communicate with God. You can communicate with God. What an awesome privilege to be able to communicate with God. And communicate, communicating 
It's just like in the natural. If you're doing all the talking, that's not communicating. That's you talking. A lot of communicating is listening. We're so busy asking God to meet our needs <laughs> that we won't have time for him to speak into his desires in our life and give us dreams and visions. And as a pastor, you, I, you can fall into this. You can fall into a rut. You can get content. You can, you can, you can, say, you can, you can lose sight of, of God's vision and God's dreams for, for yourself and for the church and for the community and all of those things. This isn't just for you, this is for me. You will have God ideas. His desires for your life will be inspired in your heart as you talk to him about every detail of your dream. God will breathe life into your plans. You, before you can see it on the outside, you have to see it on the inside. You have to see it on the inside. Do you understand that? So many people want to see the kingdom of God manifest on the outside, but they don't see the kingdom on the inside. Understand that when you partner with God, you must embrace the true nature of God and not a man-made religious concept of God, one that says he's unwilling to help you. You need to remind yourself of all the blessings that he has, he has promised and has given you. Fill yourself with an awareness of the greatness of God. Look at nature. We talked about that earlier. Look at nature. Embrace the grandeur of our creator. How extravagant he is. God is not stingy. If there's anybody that is not stingy in the whole world, God is the least stingy person. He, he, he wastes things. He, he, he plants flowers in mountains that you'll never see. He's got creatures in the ocean that we haven't even found yet. Why? Because he can. The galaxy. I can't even get into all that. How big the galaxy is. Is there people, is there anything out there? Well, God is. Right? There's heaven, there's angels, there's something out there. Why? Why did he do it? Because <laughs> he's extravagant. He's not a stingy God. Your ability to create will never be greater than your concept of God. Did you guys hear that? Our ability to create will never be greater than our creator. You can never accomplish more in your life than what your source permits. Who's your source? What's your source? A lot of people say that I can't do much in life because I have limited resources. Listen, get that heavenly bank account going. Spend time with God, praying with God, seeking God's face, and allow Him to give the desires of your heart. Allow faith to, to arise within you so you can boldly say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The bigger your dream, the more essential it is for you to discover the bigness of your Father. We have the ability to partner with God, the unlimited one. You have a dream, you have desires, God wants to help you. Philippians 2.13, listen to this. For it is God who is at work in you, 
both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. Isn't that wonderful news? Do you want to start a business? Do you want to invent something that will change the world? Do you want to start a ministry? Do you want to build a home? Do you want to change your future? Do you want to write a book or write music? Do you want to create the next masterpiece of art? What has God put in you? What has he called you to do? So you need to know that it is God that is rising up within you, giving you ideas, causing the desires, and causing his creative energy to flow in you. You know, I've seen stuff in our own, in our own body of believers. My, my sister, have her talk to you about her business. Chris and Lana, they put God first. They've had, they've, had, they, they've had people say negative things on social media because they, they put Jesus forward in, in it. The, the Christian music is playing in, in, in the facility. And she, she, she believes, she wants everyone to know that God created. They want everyone to know that God created you, individual, and he sees the beauty in each one of us and that you should enjoy who God has created you to be. I mean, I just seen a picture on social media um, this week of, of Brad getting a new truck. My goodness, that's a gospel of Jesus Christ driving down the road. It's a beautiful truck. But that, God put that desire in his, in his heart, that design. That, that, it's wonderful. And, God wants, and I know God's doing that in all of you guys. God will give you ideas. God will cause you to have desires. God will cause his creative energy to flow in you. But the problem is, is don't rush it. Don't rush it. Let it mature. Wait on the Lord and prepare yourself. So many people, God puts a desire in their heart and they run right out thinking that they need to do it right now. They don't even have a conversation with God about it. They... God puts an idea in your heart. Your first thing should be, first of all, you, you should say, whoa, how is this going to happen? Because if it doesn't take faith, it's not God. How is this going to happen? Lord, is this desire from you? How is this going to happen? And, and, and creativity and, and dreams and visions and steps. We'll, we'll just start talking with God about it. See, I actually think that God's real. That he, you can talk to him and he, he'll talk back to you. That he wants to partner with you in life. Hmm. But we, it says that we are to wait upon the Lord. And wait upon the Lord doesn't mean take a nap and wait for him to finally do something. It, it's, it's literally talking about like a waiter serving tables. Until and I'm going to wait on the Lord in prayer. I'm going to wait in the Lord in, in serving. I'm going to wait on the Lord in, in meditating on his word and speaking to him. I'm going to wait and wait on the Lord. And I'm, going to, and I'm going to continue to build up that heavenly treasure house within me. And then when it's ready, it will be birthed. 
It will come forth. It will be manifest. Don't worry about time. Don't worry about it. It could be days. It could be weeks, months, however long it takes until that dream takes form in, in, in the heavenly realms. See, read, read the Bible. Abraham, how many years did he wait for Isaac? How, how many years were the children in, in bondage? How many years did they walk, walk in, the, um, in the wilderness? 40 years before they entered into the promised land because of unbelief. We, 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 God's not in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. And, the, and if you are in a hurry, that shows that you're anxious, that you're fearful, that you're worried about tomorrow. It might take days, it might take weeks, it take months, however long it takes until that dream takes form in the heavenly realms, until your heavenly account is full. Don't store up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust can destroy. Instead, seek the kingdom first. That's what it means. That's what it's meaning. If, if, you, if everything you do in life is totally based off the world systems and the, way, the world's wisdom and the world's knowledge and the world, world's ability and your own strength, it can be wiped out. But if, if the Lord establishes something, it is eternal. Seek the authority of Jesus. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. See, God gave us this life. Embrace it. Embrace it. Every, well, we're in the kingdom now. Eternity is now. When you met Jesus and made Jesus Christ the Lord of life, you're in eternity. So don't long to get to heaven. You're already there. You're seated, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Embrace this life that God has given you. Enjoy life. Christians should be some of the most joyful and full of life people that there are. Taking things to the extreme. How big can we believe God? What can we do for the glory of God? What can we create? What can we sing? What can we paint? What can we build? What can we, for the glory of God. Receive this gift of life as a blessing from God. Work with a prosperous soul and a united heart. And remember that your treasure goes where your heart is pointed. You can tell exactly what's in people's heart by where their treasure is. You should enjoy your labors. You should enjoy your labors. You shouldn't dread it. There's days you have bad days. We all do. But you shouldn't dread your future. You shouldn't dread your life. And I'm telling you, if you do, if you find yourself in a place where you dread just even your existence on this planet, there is a place that you can get with God. Listen, get alone with God and let Him give you the desires of your heart. A reason to live. A prosperous soul is a soul that dreams and plans with God. If you want to prosper, you must put your heart into it where you can say, I love my life, I love my work, and God is my partner in both. Amen? Amen. There's a lot of hard truths in today's message.
I ask for Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into truth, that you wouldn't be conformed by the patterns of this world, the ideas, even the, in, even the religious ideas of men, but you will start seeing your God, your Father, the creator of the universe, as your partner in life, and he desires for, to empower you to create wealth so that he can establish his covenant in the world. He desires for the world to see Jesus through you. And there's so, we've limited, we've limited what Jesus looks like in the earth. Amen? Amen. That's good stuff. I don't know. If if I'm the only one that got something out of it, then I'm happy, I guess. Amen. You guys will be the, the reapers of it. Listen, I, I believe this with all my heart too, is that, that when you connect with people that, that, that are seeking God and desiring for creativity, desiring for the kingdom to be manifest in greater ways, desiring and believing for blessing and, and know that God is meeting all your needs, when you, when you connect with those people in your life, it rubs off. It rubs off, and 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 I believe, I believe, that we as a body, as we as we continue to seek God and believe God, I believe that each one of us individually will get caught up in the flow, this creative flow of what God wants to do in the earth in this third great awakening, so in the the, the revelation of Jesus Christ in His kingdom to be manifest in this earth, and I believe that some of you are going to be taken taken along without you even having to think about it. Blessing is coming. You have a heavenly Father that loves you and cares for you, amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a good, good Father. You are the great shepherd. You take care of your sheep. You desire, above all things, that we prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Heavenly Father, you have created us for such a time as this to live bold for the, for the kingdom of God, to manifest your goodness and, and, and your abundance. And Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we align our souls with the truth of who we are in the kingdom of God, in our spirit. And we direct our hearts by faith into what you are calling us to. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're gonna give, give us dreams and desires in our hearts as we seek your face, as we wait upon the Lord. And you're gonna give us a hunger to spend time alone with you, to talk about plans and dreams and destinies. And you're gonna build it up within us and it's gonna be birthed into the earth and it's gonna be a blessing to everyone. We just love you, we receive this all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.